As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. Welcome to the worst idea of all time, season four, the secretly recorded Sex in the City numero uno season. My name is Tim Bat, and I am recording in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, I'm Guy. I'm in uh, New York City. Um, this was an intentionally energetic intro for me, Guy, because we're on video chat. You are literally in bed. You're in a very low on, energy body position right now. On bed. And I actually have just propped myself up. I was, as I watched the film, I actually had to, I'd, I watched half this half the film, this is the seventh screening by the way everyone, uh, on a train from Philadelphia to New York. And then I watched the other half slowly melting into my bed here in New York. And when we started recording, I realized I was still in my sort of quite negative, quite laid back position. Uh, I had two pillows propping up my neck, uh, and so I've gone into a slightly uh, more um, physically ready and upbeat pose, not dissimilar to Kate Winslet uh, in the in the film Titanic. I'm on my side. I am uh, opening up my body language to you, Tim. It's not to say I'm happy, but and I'm the doing animal what kingdom I can. You'd be presenting. I am. Uh, maybe I should do the entirety of the podcast in power stance, uh, fists clenched, held above my head. This is what bigwig CEOs recommend you do before you go into a board meeting, because it gets it gets the hormones juiced up, gets them all nice and juicy for you. Yeah, absolutely. I would, power. I stance. would like you to keep your arms up for as long as possible. I hope you have your notes in front of you because um, I don't want to see those arms coming down. That, uh, this may be a challenge. I've also got, uh, just to add to the difficulty setting, a lovely little smoothie and a coffee that I've just made, and both of them will go bad in record time if I'm here with both arms above my head like a jackass. Well, the good thing is you can visually verify when I fuck this up. I don't think you're going to. I have no reason to doubt that you, Tim Bat, a man who has shown nothing but pig-headed commitment to this premise, 
time and again, uh, absolutely has the guts and the gall to go all the way. No guts, no glory. Even right now, I don't want to be doing it. Look at me. I'm just lounging. I've got two pillows here on my lovely bed. And look at you, Mr. Power I'm in Power Stance. I'm good to go. I'm ready to uh, merge two companies into a conglomerate. Let's get it done. Tell me about Let, your let's do a screening. Takeover. I want to put my hat on because I can see myself. And my hair's messy. I want to look good for you. Hands, hands are where you can see them. Uh, how was the screening for me? Well, I, d- I did the old Timbo special of splitting the movie in twain, um, enjoying half of this delectable treat late at night next to my lovely wife in bed uh, because I think that this is a movie not to be consumed often in one chunk you might choke on it real choking hazard on this thing it's big you get it in your mouth you don't realize what you're dealing with so I like to break it apart uh first half was good and then the sec- I actually I couldn't really get to sleep afterwards so I was you know what I did I listened to the Spongebob Squarepants musical on Spotify and um, mentally reminisced about old times when we went and saw it live on Broadway. Yeah, yeah, that was a good night. You were what? You were, your so brain was so so a whir and a buzz from half of a Sex in the City too that you thought you'd take things down a notch by listening to the music of Bikini Bottom. Is this what I'm to believe? It's kind of the opposite in that my brain was so starved of stimulus it kind of started ramping itself up. You, does that make sense? Not a lot to me, but I mean, you are a unique specimen. To me, if my brain I sure is am, I'm in power stance right now. <laughs> do you think that you're the only person in power stance right now? Or do you think that there are business people across the globe who are currently getting ready for a big meeting? There's seventy five billion dollars worth of humans in power stance right now. Jesus, and it's less people than you'd think. How many people? And what's your contribution? And what's your contribution to the seventy-five billion dollars of net worth to those in power stance currently? Unlimited potential. And is that uh, recognised by the other people in power stance, or is that something that you sort of have to constantly tell them you bring to the table? We're lone wolves, baby. That's how people in power stance operate. We're sole operators. There to grab the world by the short and curlies if the short and curlies were um about a foot above our heads because that's where our hands are that's right so as we were uh you watched half the movie you listened to the i'm done with power stance no 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 thank you stressing me out putting your hands by your side oh yeah 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 if i make noises like that uh dear listener rest assured nothing untoward is happening to me save for Tim uh, flouting his earlier statement and drinking alternating sips of his coffee and smoothie. The smoothie is a beautiful deep purple. It looks fantastic. So you listen to SpongeBob SquarePants, and then you fall asleep or are you still awake? Nah, I listened to a bit of Hamilton after that. And then yeah. I was reading, read a little bit of my book, and then just sat there thinking for another while. What? Not so a great did... sleeper guy. No. So what? At what point were you like you were, after you watched Half Six and City? You're like, I should go to sleep right now. Mm. And then you did three. It was almost act- like I can't take any more of the movie. And then you did sleep. three different activities. Mm. How long after you finished watching Six and the City did you go to sleep? 
Who's to say? I don't know when I nodded off. Early hours of the morning, guy. And then how much sleep did you get? Not a ton. Not a ton. So Five alarm. hours? Goes, uh, yeah, maybe slightly under that, I reckon. That's right. And that's then, enough to operate. So then Zoe gets up, and do you start watching immediately, or do you... Ah, fuck power stance, man. Put your hands up! It. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm done with it, man. Mom's they're aching. <laughs> Guys in power stance, he's found a way to position the mic. So he's like a um, boxing announcer. It's coming from the ceiling. In one corner. Weighing this, in. It's not what they say. They always specify which corner. They ne- they are so oh. good at that. It's one of the most important things. I want more details on your screening. So you get Zoe gets up. Do you also get up? Absolutely not. I'm still in bed, which is and not a good way to do business. And you start watching immediately in bed. Yeah, I do. I do. And... Uh, I must have like interrupted it somehow as well because you messaged me saying, "Hey, I'm going to be a little bit late because I'm I'm on this train from Philly. You're in Philadelphia. That's amazing, like the cheese guy." And I was like, "I don't know how this has happened, but I am also running late, and I'm not quite sure because I I thought I managed my time pretty well for us to to be arriving at the station at the scheduled uh, slot on the timetable." Look, man, there's not a ton of detail to give you. I watched the same movie again. It's Sex in the City. Wasn't happy about it. I was all right with it last night, surprisingly. But, this is what uh, I'm talking about. This morning. Yeah, you were yeah. grumpy this morning. You sent me the I same joke grumpy, three times across two different mediums, Tim. Would you like to share that with the listener? Who's hotter than Miranda Hobbs? I don't know, Tim. Who? Miranda Stove. That's not the punchline you sent me. Oh, what did I say? Miranda Oven. Fuck. Yeah. I fucked up my own joke. You did. Guy, <laughs> what? tell me about your circumstances for watching this film. It sounds like you were traveling very quickly. Uh, just pretty much just knew I, knew I had to get down to business. Bog standard, garden variety, first day at the office sort of job. Uh, I watched half of it on the train, Bluetooth, Bluetooth headphones on, so surround sound audio, uh, and then I had to, that was like, you know, that was a, an hour and a half train ride, so that was about right in terms of, um, it was relaxing, but then had to catch, you know, the metro to get uh, home, and then just as soon as I got home, tucked straight back into it, uh, didn't really like it. At any point, just scrolling through my notes to see if anything got me going. Mm. Uh, i tell you what I did enjoy. What did you enjoy? Uh, I, mani- I managed to stay exactly where I was. Uh, this note's not, it was, there was a small set. It's uh, at the start of the movie. So all is well. Everyone's happy in their relationships. Carrie's bragging about their life in New York. Uh, and the last line of her voiceover is, before we see her with Mr. Big, is, and I imagine to stay exactly where I was, in love. And then uh, in the original motion picture soundtrack, you hear a saxophone line, and I've written it in parenthesis here so I could recreate it for you, but obviously I didn't write it as music. I just wrote the words, do 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 
Uh, and it's something along those lines. But um, I thought it was fun. I imagine the player of the instrument sort of being like, ah, oh, this isn't the hardest note I'm going to play. It's not the most exciting melody, but I can see how this will be deployed in the film, and I'm happy to put my uh, my artistic integrity on the line for it. Sounds like you might be dealing with a saxophone, maybe an alto sax kind of a sound. Almost definitely. The, the instrument. Yeah. I can't remember the flourish uh, directly offhand, but it, like the mariachi band that I equipped you with last episode, this gives me a musical cue to look forward to in my next watch. That's right. I also, um, I, I then got taken, I didn't get taken out of it. I started getting quite grumpy quite quickly after that, though. When they start looking around that penthouse apartment uh, in the same building where they see that first dud, and uh, Carrie starts doing one of her jokes, and I'm on the record as saying I'm not a huge fan of her comic sensibility, but that's not to say that it's not for, you know, she's built a career out of it. She's obviously got fans, and, you know, there's, a, there's a, a, an audience for it, and all power to them. Uh, and she makes a joke when they're looking around the house. She sort of uh, pretends to own it. She says, hello, I live here now. And everyone sort of smiles along. Uh, and it's the real tour, the balcony. The greasy realtor says to Big, um, your wife has quite the sense of humor. And I was like, fucking say it to her. Laugh. Do anything except like just pretending she's not in the room and saying to Big, oh, wow, you got a real live wire over here. It's ridiculous. If, like, if, you, if, if you and I are in a room with a third party and you make a joke, that third party would never say to me, well, your friend has quite the... They'd go, oh, good one. It's fucked. Isn't it? To be fair, I think... In the st- nah, I think you're being too harsh on the realtor. In the staging of the room, Carrie's quite a way away, and Big is standing right next to no, the realtor. He, sh- so he should have done this sideline comment. He should have done this then. Good one, you know. <laughs> Great gig. Good Great gig. Now. I was just telling your husband that I think you've got a great sense of humour. It's not even the line that deserves it. She, when she walks in and sees this penthouse apartment that is just absolutely stunning, she says, "Ah, oh, I hate it. It's horrible. It hurts my eyes to look at. That I enjoy every time because she sells that to me. And also, guy, I've got another third surprise drink. Oh my gosh, what time is it where you are? It's like ten twenty a.m." It is. This is whiskey from last night, but there's there's a bit left. Yeah, good for you. Oh, that, so th- those those rock ice cubes you use, they're not cold right now. They're room temp. They're room temp. The whole operation is room temperature. Whiskey, is, of course. Well, whiskey's a, a, a it can be drunk at multiple temperatures. It's a versatile drink. Isn't it? <laughs> Felt like you were going to go somewhere else with that. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I, I, I don't mind it at this temperature. Actually, it's not too warm or anything. It's okay. Do you think I'm being uncouth by uh, not having a chilled whiskey? No, people drink no, it without no, ice. No, that's a thing. No, that's, isn't that's, it? Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's totally fine. Mm. I think, um, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a heck of a pellet you're running, or like a. I don't know if pallet's the right word, but it's a heck of a lineup of beverages you're running there. I like multiple drinks in the morning as much as the next man. But 10.20 a.m. on a Monday, just necking whiskey alongside your coffee and your smoothie, I mean, your body's going to be in all sorts. 
Nah, I think I'll just be ready for any situation the day throws at me, especially if I can have 20 seconds to prepare. If someone gives me a heads up on what's happening, power stance, and I'm rolling in there, slightly drunk, highly caffeinated, and with all the vitamins my body could want or need. It's all liquids from here on in, guy. You're off solids. solids. Speaking of solids and, you know, diets, uh, one moment that I felt tremendous empathy in the movie... Uh, the Bluetooth headphones doing a lot of heavy lifting when Charlotte, uh, her, her tummy starts rumbling in Mexico. And uh, look, without going into too much detail myself, I uh, had what wound up being a pretty comfortable sort of... Um, my tummy was making noises, and I was in a situation where I had to find a bathroom pretty quickly over the weekend. And thank- thankfully I did. But the noises that my tummy was making and then the sense of release that my body experienced upon sitting down, uh, I felt immense empathy and fear actually for Charlotte when she was walking along and her tummy was going. And I was like, oh, I mean, it's not worked out for you before. It's certainly not going to work out for you this week. But my heart goes out to you, sister. I had a deep think about that moment this week because I got to thinking about what the incubation period is for gastro. I was like, there's no way in how... The movie leads us to believe it's because she opens her mouth and gets the shower water in there, and that's what causes it. It's not long enough. So then... And, no, and more, more, moreover, like, that is only... The people who watch this movie, the people who identify with Charlotte, like, Charlotte's entire mm. notion that she can't eat the food in Mexico because it's going to make her sick, is it's ludicrous, right? It's um, It's borderline ignorant. And then for her to then become sick by getting what like all the people who identify with Charlotte and you know think of her as the character to whom they most relate when they see that happen in the film then that's just gonna you know um perpetuate the fear they experience about holidaying in Mexico you think it's some bad role modeling by the film huh doubling down <laughs> on people's um ill-founded fears here's what I was thinking though and this certainly won't help uh this cause that you're describing I reckon she's picked up the Ebola virus. And I think that that, uh, <laughs> you look shocked. That that sound that you hear from your guts isn't the normal kind of tummy rumble. I think it's her insides liquefying, like her organs being turned to blood. Uh, look, you know, I don't want to cast out immediately on your bold statement, but, uh, you know, you'd get the feeling that without any serious medical attention or none shown on screen, her body mounts a pretty spectacular uh, comeback against what is more or less as I understand it uh, a, a virus with a 100% fatality rate yeah you got it and that's what makes it a miracle in the film and overlooked everyone gets their own miracle in this this movie who, who tell me tell me Steve's miracle Steve's miracle is the gift of forgiveness you know that Capacity for human forgiveness is truly a miracle, and he receives that gorgeous gift from Miranda. Samantha's miracle is she uh, gets out of her cancer um, all good, gets the all clear. That's yeah, it happens the sp- before the film, but it's in the world of the film. Neither of and these miracles are, hold a lot of water for me so far. Charlotte's, Charlotte's is... M- if what you're saying is true, undeniably a miracle to contract. How dare you doubt what I'm saying being true? Suffer through and then beat Ebola 
over the course of 24 hours in Mexico is nothing short of a miracle. Carrie's oh, miracle. Well, what's more believable, guy? Who getting gastro in like six hours from an open mouth and a shower or her being the one person who's ever single-handedly defo- defeated the Ebola virus? The first one. The first one is so much more likely. You couldn't even finish describing this. a longer this. incubation period. Look, I, I'm not saying that, you know, the timeline laid out for gastro is 100% accurate. I'm just saying that it's more likely she got a little bit of an upset tummy. I just, you, you, your definition of miracles is all over the map here. And also for stuff that's contained within the film. You're a mess. I'm all right, mate. Anthony is a wedding gift. We have overlooked this fact week after week. Well, not really week after week, but episode after episode because we are, um, geez, packing these watches in. I don't think that you should treat a human being like that. It's It seems uh, it seems bad to me. What? And they just gloss over. No. Anthony is a wedding gift. He's a human being. No, no, no. He's not the gift. She doesn't get, like you know, unfettered, unbridled access to Anthony, uh, his services. He's the best wedding planner in town. This we know. Uh, he's getting paid all the same because Charlotte obviously, you know, Charlotte and Runkle as part of the gift have offered the services of the best wedding planner who, hap- you know, probably at a cut price rate. I think it's very generous. And I think everyone's making out like a bandit here. It's the it's the clunky wording of it that she says that he is a the wedding present from Charlotte. I'm like the man is not a wedding present. The man is a man. He's a human being. He's a person. You treat him with some damn respect. His services may be the gift. That's quite fine. But he is a human with his own agency and rights and uh, hopefully love, which we see in the I'm, second film. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because. At the start of the second film, there's quite a lot made about the fact that Anthony and uh, Stamford are getting married, and uh, it's a gay wedding, guy. Yeah, well, obviously there's a there's a big song and dance about the uh, the sexuality of the two uh, you know parties involved in the wedding, but more specifically, I feel like all of the gals sort of uh, speculating and gas bagging about uh, their there being some sort of tension or history of dislike or dis dis. You know, like, that they didn't get along. Yeah. But there's no body of evidence to suggest that at all in this film. I mean, maybe it's from the show. Except that at the stroke of midnight on New Year's, they have to down a big bit of alcohol before they give each other a kiss. That doesn't suggest they don't like each other. It did to me. That's how I read it. They were like, oh, well... You're but the person enough, I'm standing next to. I better get briefly fucking hammered, just like I'm enough, doing with my whiskey. Enough 10, to qualify how surprised they are at their marriage? I don't know. I feel like it's com- it's completely overblown at the start of the second. These are two people who just don't seem to know each other very well and slowly get to know one another in this movie. I mean, it would also appear, and again, this is probably a huge blind spot having not seen the series, that these are the only two gay men whose lives cross over in the universe of these characters and so it's almost Which a marriage seems of convenience fucking crazy when you think about the lives that they're leading as cosmopolitan women of new york city mm. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Can I give you a shining light? Yeah, I'd love it. I'd love it. I'd love it. You know the bit where Carrie's trying on 600 wedding dresses? And yeah. during the shoot... There's quite a few people there. Samantha's there. Stanford is there. Uh, Charlotte is there. And there's a brief shot in addition to the photographer, who I get the sense is a real guy. Do you get that feeling that the photographer we see a few times, it's yeah. like, that guy's a person. He's a someone. He's not an actor. That's a real guy. Uh, there's like <clears throat> just one brief fleeting shot of a, a woman and a man who I guess are playing the part of, like, art director, and she's sort of got that look of, like, a pen half in her mouth, sort of, like, thinking and then pointing, sort of directing something out. And it's just such a um, such a big offer. And it's, it's a, a lovely self-contained character piece. And every time I watch the movie, my eye gets drawn to her because I think she kind of overshoots what was required in that shot. So like, we oh, get what we get it. You're overselling this. Yeah, but those are the, and those are the moments you really do wind up being drawn towards and enjoying. Uh, those those little flashes of over over performance that aren't aren't cut down. Well, it's quite a it's quite a glamorous movie, you know. Uh, my my shining light this week um, was the the seat in the therapy that Stephen Stephen Miranda go to. Uh, the therapist is also I, I can't place her, but she's semi-famous. Who yeah. plays the therapist? She's she's, she's in a, a show, huh? She's a character actor of some description of note, but she's, the she's, she's in a big TV show. She's dishing out advice to Miranda and Steve, and they're sitting sort of quite uncomfortably close together. Like they're sitting, what they're sitting on is halfway between a seat and a couch. And I don't know if that's art department or if that's a therapy trick for couples therapy where it's like you sort of force closeness upon the couple so that they can confront their problems head on. But it's ve- it was very cunning. It was very sweet. I thought, uh, what a ridiculous fucking chair. But then I also thought about the, the, the service of the chair. And I was like, well, you know what? I don't know who's in charge of this decision, if it's a therapist or an, a, 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 a set person, but I like it. You don't think that that was just staging because you know how like when you're doing stuff for TV and film, you got to like be unnaturally close together because the camera kind of distorts the. Keep the an eye out for it, man. It's a weird size. It's neither a chair. It's too yeah. big for a chair. It's too small for a couch. What do you call that? A chouch. Fuck! I don't know. You've got me there, mate. I uh, man, I re- I can't find I can't find the. The relationship therapist. Oh, there she is. Her name is Joanna Gleason. Guy Montgomery. Semi-famous Get name as this. well. Joanna Gleason's a good name. She's a Tony Award-winning musical theatre actress. Mm. Uh, let's have a look. She won the Tony 
uh, for Dirty, Dirty Rotten... Oh, no, she was nominated in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Into the yeah. Woods. I think that's what I know her from. She won uh, Best Actress in a Musical for Into the Woods. That's interesting. We 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 wow. have you you haven't seen Into the Woods as a musical though, right? You've just seen it as a James Corden vehicle as a film. No, I've seen the old uh, movie version of it. I haven't seen it on the stage, nor have I seen the James Corden version. But there was a um, an older movie made. Really? Hmm. Ah, the Which I think know. is a lot more true to the stage production. Well, anyway, Joanna Gleason's got a very interesting chair. And uh, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> Very good. What do you think we recognise her from, though? Because presumably it'd be a TV show, you'd think. We, you know, we weren't children of the theatre. Nah, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to. Fit, I, I don't know that there was a, pl- a movie before the 2014 version. I reckon you're off your chops. No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying, what do we recognise her from, right? Because she was very familiar to both of us. But she's in the newsroom. Oh. She was in the wedding planner, Blue Bloods, The Good Wife. She also appears in Love and War, several episodes of which she also directed. Er, Murphy Brown and the Outer Limits. Look, King of I the don't, Hill. I, I don't know what Wing. she's from, but what I'm trying to tell the you practice. is that there's no. Your, your whatever version of Into the Woods you think you saw doesn't exist, mate. There's only been one oh, production really? of it as a film in 2014. I might have seen, maybe I've seen like a taped um, performance of the stage show. This, it was years and years and years ago. <laughs> Why would you have seen a taped version of the stage show? And like because enough I to had... remember her from. But... Oh, I, no, I don't think... I No, I don't remember her from there. I just remember Into the Woods. I don't remember her from there. I don't even know if she was in the performance I saw of it that was taped. I found the uh, photographer, though, guy. And? And you, you'll never guess. <laughs> He's a photographer. He is 75-year-old Patrick Demacheleur. Uh, De He's French. And he yeah. has shot for all the greats. Calvin Klein, Giorgio Armani, Chanel, Gap, Gianni Versace, L'Oreal. I could go on, and I won't. But he's still alive, which is great. Uh, his birthday is on the 21st of you August. You love to hear he's that, Leo. Hey? I mm. love to know. Did you know he was Leo from the date, or did it say so? It's two days after my birthday, so... So you know. Although you know the cutoff is either the twenty first or the twenty second, I think. Can't remember. Well, those Leos, um, they don't they, they don't go down easy. They go down swinging. Hey, while we're on this track of looking people up, I also found uh, you know what's been bugging me: the woman who sells Samantha her dog, or like adopts it out to her on the street. Yeah. Did you, did, did you recognize her as well? Uh no, I don't get anything from her. Suzanne Cryer from Two Guys and a Girl, which was uh, the original um, Ryan Reynolds show, right? Yeah, Two Guys and a Girl in a Pizza Place or something. Yeah, and that's what it was called for the first couple of seasons. Then they, they shortened it up. She was on that. Uh, surely she's another stuff. She's also a Broadway performer. Oh, she's in Silicon Valley. That's what I've seen her in recently. She's, like, she's, she's a hard-ass um, CEO who takes over from... That, that weird dude. It's really God, nice. She's got a lot of credits. To um, my God, to, she's impressive. 
to be in this exhausting mind map of you fucking piecemealing together bits of popular culture you've come across in your 30 odd years Tim, one of the huge sources of conflict in this movie and one of the things I think that drives a wedge between Carrie and Big before their marriage is the stress and, uh, you know, general sort of um, exhaustion associated with planning a wedding. Uh, You have had some experience with this from the inside. Uh, from what I could tell, I was obviously I'm friends with both you and Zoe, and I was uh, free. I was friends with you and sort of, uh, you know, in pretty close proximity to you while you guys mapped out your wedding day. Uh, and I would say that both the way you approached that time and the event itself were a roaring success. So my question to you is, where do you think Carrie and Big are going wrong? What's the cause of tension between them? And who needs to do more? He needs to do less. And, uh, you know, what are some things that they could talk about to maybe uh, ease the stress for next week's screening? They've got mismatch expectations of what this wedding's going to be. And do you know what? Despite the fact that Carrie's doing all the work, I kind of put this on her. She hasn't been updating big about how it's been changing over the time. He is awestruck by the fact that the guest list has ballooned out to a staggering 200 people. Mate, and why wouldn't he be? supposed to be 75. Yeah, down from 76, not one moment before. 76 yeah. trombones, yes. 75 wedding guests, no. What have you got against 76 wedding guests coming to the wedding, Anthony? He's like, um, I don't, he's got a weird thing with numbers, you know? It's like when you're on the remote on the TV and the volume's at like 37, you're like, can't have that. We're going so what do you to 40, go? 35, maybe 36 or 38 just to get an even in there, but preferably divisible by five. Dude. I get it. I am so on your level with exactly how you described your reaction to those numbers. Like, always first option, multiples or divisible by five. It doesn't matter if it's slightly too loud or slightly too quiet. In my mind's eye, I know that I can divide that number by five. And so it's all good. If, for whatever reason, there's some other picky prick watching television with me and they say it's too loud or it's too quiet, I will acquiesce by going to evens. I would never, ever watch a television show at 37 volume. Even if that... Even if like listening someone, to something on a prime, oh, no good. I even I don't know what it's like on your Android or uh, Microsoft products, but when I'm using my um, my volume control on uh, my iPhone or on my computer, it has to be an even. Uh, I I don't go in divisible by five on that, but it's always got to be in increments of two. I can't be one volume bar from the most volume. I mean, the most volume or two down. Does Apple give you a number? Nah, but they give you like, it's it's quite, the way they do it, it's done in like little blocks. So say there's like probably... You, you can tell what's kind of a half of a unit and what's a whole unit. Yeah, you've got like 16 little blocks and so you could either be at 16... You know, all the way down in numbers of one, it could be 16, 15, 14. But 15 is just ugly to me. It's got to be 16 or that's 14. A, that's a nightmare, Apple. What are you guys doing? It's Make all good, it out dude. of 50. How about <laughs> your customer base? The Android doesn't have a number. 
Windows does, and that would you better believe I will have my volume set to an even five uh, on on the screen. I'll adjust the speakers, but on the system itself, it's got, yeah, it's yeah. got to be a factor speaker, of five. A speaker is no man's land. That's the wild west out there. You can fucking have that <laughs> dial turned at all sorts of crazy angles. I don't give a fuck. And sometimes, as long what, as you've got your number situation sorted out, you could point that knob at. Hey, chuck it at nine o'clock. Chuck it at noon if you want to blast shit out. If you're testing the speaker, put it at three. But as long as on whatever digital display is showing you a volume, that's a factor of five. You know, we're going to be I, okay. We're going to be it's, good here. It's so nice when you and I get on the same page. I think we can probably circle back to what you're saying about uh, Carrie and Biggs' approach to wedding planning. Carrie's not bringing Why big enough we? into the fold because I am genuinely curious. Yeah. You've got expertise, you know. You're a man who knows right, what he's talking right, right, about right. here. Uh, so, look, I think Carrie needed to get big more informed along the way on what was happening. I think Big needs to pull his fucking finger out of his ass and participate in this wedding a bit more than he is. And, um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's Timbo's two cents. Do you know when I especially thought that um, Big needed to pull his fucking finger out of his ass? How pathetic. I was just like really angry at him for not getting out of the car and going to the wedding. Pull it together, mate. When he's on the phone and he's saying to Carrie, I was out front, you know, she's like, where are you? I was out front. He can't even jilt her properly. Make the fucking team. Like either. Here's what I love. About Guy Alexander Halifax Montgomery. You are still in this as a story and as a film. I love that. You're still there. You're in it. You're still getting emotional at the Brooklyn Bridge. You're still pissed off at John. I haven't had goosebumps at the Brooklyn Bridge for three screenings. But the um, it's just, I don't know. He's sort of trying to have it both ways. I'm like, if you're going to jilt someone at the altar... Do it in cold blood. Do it quietly. Smoke screen out of there. You do not get to play this thing twice. You don't. You don't get to be doing the jilting and then call the woman who you're jilting or man, woman jilt too, or a man can jilt a man. You know, look. But just fucking have the guts to go through with it. He calls her up. He says, "I was out front." Um, it's more offensive to sort of semi grovel and be like, "I think I can save face here." Believe in yourself. Make a decision and believe in yourself. What he needs also is mates. He's got no one to talk to about how nervous he's feeling. He's got no no friends, you know, beyond Carrie and the friends who are in her sphere. Like, he's got none of his own friends. Have you noticed this? The guy is entirely alone. Yeah. Harry and Steve are as close as he comes, and they're not even his friends. They're Carrie's friends' partners. This is quite a common thing, I think, of mean his age though you can quite easily especially if you're in a sort of high stress work environment which he is he, he's struggling to manage a mutual fund with perhaps billions of dollars without basic reading and writing skills like the man has got his work cut out from every single day he turns up at the office but when that happens and you get a bit older those social um situations sort of drift out of your life a little bit and you just don't prioritize it you like having a bit of me time. You, you don't get that same value out of the social interactions that you did as a younger man, and, and your friends drift away. It's it's a com- It's sad, but it's a common thing, I think, of uh, middle-aged men. 
That's interesting. I, I just think, yeah, I can see what you're saying as well because then it's like if you've sort of fallen out of touch with your crew, it's pretty tough to then resurface only because you've got a problem you need to talk through. Like, fuck you're man, not gonna tell show- me about Big's crew. Who were Big's boys? Who were the, who were the big boys back in the day? Uh, the big boys. You've probably got like a second string high school quarterback who still walks around with the swagger of someone who won a won a serious game. Uh, you've got a theatre sort of Lothario, someone who they used to tease about being gay in high school, almost definitely. And so, as a reaction to that that guy went and had sex with a lot of the girls who he was doing stage shows with and could only confront his true sexuality, you know, 10 years down the line when he's 28. And uh, he told them all, and they were all very supportive, but they were aware that they'd sort of alienated this guy throughout his formative years, and so they carry that with them. And while Big would do well to keep in touch and talk more about it, and, you know, this could have seriously been quite a good springboard to an even closer relationship, I think that that hangs quite heavy over his head and he feels a certain amount of guilt about that. All the jokes were made in, uh, you know, and there was no malice in them, but you, you can't undo the past. And uh, aside from that, a couple of twins. <laughs> Some twins. Some uh, male, female twins. One of each. Two men, both pranksters. Fraternal or identical? Identical. You have just described the most dangerous element that you could have in a friend group. Two identical twins who love to goof. Fuck, I cannot imagine the hijinks they would get up to. Well, I, I want to ask you this, Tim. Can you imagine two identical twins who don't love to pull pranks? I mean, you are literally, you've been custom built in God's laboratory for pranking. You're identical twins. The greatest prank of all time has been fucking put in a bag and given to you on entry onto God's green earth, and you're going to spit in that spit in God's face? No, thank you. <laughs> you heathen! If you're not maximizing the comedy of your own split egg situation, you can get fucked and go to hell, and you can hang out in the ninth, the ninth level of Dante's. What am I trying to say? Dante's thing. The nine levels of hell. Dante's Inferno. I'm trying to communicate. Yeah, perhaps. Dante's in this. Our connection's going a bit... Is he by the devil? He could be. Our connection's going to seed, Tim, and I think we've we've probably got out quite a lot of good stuff. I've got more notes, but I'm just going to carry them over to next week, or I don't know, whenever the heck we next watch this thing. Wise. Um, well, then, thanks guy, so much. All there's left to say is uh, thank you very much to this episode's sponsor, Bigs Boys. If you're a middle-aged man who's fallen out with the crew, uh, give us a ring five 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 Big Boys, and I would you've got love, an on-demand friend service like I would Spotify, love but for friends. To run a platonic, uh, male-focused friend fixing service. I don't have the bank of contacts in New York to probably get this thing off the ground. Like, it's going to take years of research and hard work. And also, it's quite a sinister thing to be making friends with someone and they go, ah, oh, we get along so well. And for you to explain, I'm only making friends with you. 
so I can fix you up with other people who need to make friends. Like, it's a long fucking road to walk, but I would love that. I think, um, you know, my heart, uh, uh, yeah, I think I think Big is really wanting. Look, I'm, I'm opening up a whole nother can of conversational worms, or the same. I'm opening up the same can that I've already opened from a different angle. I'm going to put all of this on the back burner. We're going to brew up some Just lovely worms sponsor. next time. Yeah, thank you, Big's boys. Big's big boys. The big boys. <laughs> Giant fucking hands. Sausage cocks. God, I love them. See you next watch, everyone. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. Like, he sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And uh, we go for it.